Previously on the Bite-Sized Bible. God filled the earth, filled it with oxygen, water, plants, fish, animals, and mankind. Everything was perfect until one day man fell into temptation and ruined the perfect relationship that they had with God. Since God is a perfect being without fault, mankind in their sin and non-perfection could no longer be in his presence. Thus began the never-ending cycle of paying for their sins through the method of offerings. But God had a plan, perhaps the greatest job of all time, and there was only one man who could do it, Jesus Christ. The plan you ask? God would come to the earth himself to live a perfect life, one without fault, something that had never been done before. He would then give his life willingly as a sacrifice, a sacrifice not for his own sins, but because of his perfection, he could pay for the sins of all mankind. And that's pretty much everything we've talked about so far. That's a great way to end that little recap, dude. That's pretty much everything we've talked about. I love that. And the ending was the best part for me. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm Mark Dickey. Thanks for joining me today on the Bite Size Bible. I'm here with my two great friends, Matt Windsor and Trevor Ewing. If you don't know who they are, then you obviously skipped episodes one and two. And this is what I would like to call a sequential podcast. You got to start from the beginning. So just pause this. Pause it. It's, it's going to be here. Podcasts stay up for a long, yeah, long promise. time. Be here. <laughs> Go back and watch those first two episodes. Or listen. Yeah. Yeah. You, it would be really boring if you watched it. They were right. <laughs> it would be, be terrible. I've stared at this screen and nothing watch. has changed for 17 minutes. <laughs> but I'm watching. He told me to watch it. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the cross, which uh, I figured we needed to do something a little lighter since it's an execution method. Yeah. Um, we should start it off a little fun. Okay. Um, so... That was it. Now it's time to get serious. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That that was it. <laughs> um, it's going to be a heavy episode, so hopefully we start on a good note. Yeah. So what would you guys say is unique about Christianity in the fact that, like, like it's the symbol. Like, people who aren't even Christians get tattoos of crosses. Yeah. Like, crosses mean something. Yeah. And uh, I, it's... It's actually kind of weird. If you actually look at the history, the fact that we're known for by a cross is actually kind of embarrassing, almost. Well, and, the, and if you think about it, uh, the cross would have probably, I mean, it would not have been the, the symbol or emblem. In fact, it wasn't the symbol or emblem that, that first century Christians claimed or, you know, or marked themselves with. You're saying like like the people who were first Christians. Who were first Christians, who were, you know, who were first followers of Jesus, they would not have marked themselves with a cross. Um, it would have been an ichthus or a fish uh, mm. that they would have marked themselves with. That's the, uh, the magnet on the back of people's cars. Yeah, that's the magnet. Yeah, and, and sometimes they turn it into the Darwin fish. Yeah. That I, thing. I didn't realize that was that old. Yeah, yeah. That's from like the original Christians? Right. Right, they would have yeah. like marked their doorposts with a fish, uh, because the cross was something that you did not speak of. Huh. It was a way of communicating without the general culture always knowing exactly what you were saying. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah. I'm glad I invited you guys to this podcast because I had no idea. That's all we got. No. All right. We'll see you guys <laughs> the later. End. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for checking in. It, it's also interesting, too, because like nowhere else in the world like has the method of death been the thing that they cherish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't hear people often talking about, let's just say, hypothetically, like JFK and like the thing about a long rifle as well. Like that is never like how people celebrate his memory. Right. 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 Yeah. Like they talk about a lot of other things. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, I've had some I've had some family members die. I certainly do not carry like one of them died in a hospital bed. I don't have a necklace of a hospital bed mm. right? because their method of death was not exciting. In fact, it brings grief. Right. right. It, it reminds me of, of, of tragedy. People putting guillotines up on the side of the road. You know? Right, that yeah. would be weird. That would be That'd terrifying, be especially be at night. Yeah. So the idea that the cross is still celebrated is really interesting because it's a weird way to take something that was used as an execution an execution tool and turn it into a symbol of hope. Yeah. Well, I've heard uh, somebody communicated to me at one time that like, you know, the the symbol of the cross really just shows us. We were talking about in the last episode the the character of Jesus and like. We have a God who he came as a baby in a dirty barn manger and he lived among us and he died in like an execution. The most terrible death that you could possibly die. At least the Roman Empire thought it at that time. Yeah. And uh, Philippians 2.8 says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even even death on a cross. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's that's our God. And yeah, so, where he did not consider equality with God. Yeah, so so that's what we're talking about today. And it's, I mean, a lot of people think that's kind of like the, the beginning of where you would talk about Jesus. Uh, it's like, oh, what's that cross all about? And um, so the the what happened was, we, we ended last week by kind of mentioning, what happens is we ended in the last episode that the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, they did not like that Jesus was shaking up the system. They were comfortable where they were at, and they didn't want anyone to change that. That could have been selfish stuff, or that could have just been, this is what we know of our faith. And right, right. Yeah. So, like, they're in the Bible, they're typically, like, the bad guys. But, I mean, if everything you ever knew <laughs> was taught to you for generations and generations, you would think yeah. you were right. Yeah. But so Jesus is taken into custody willingly. Yeah. There's a whole deal where a guy's ear gets cut off yep. and Jesus puts it back. Yep. No, 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 no. Yep. Don't, don't try and protect me. I need, I'm supposed to be arrested. I need to get arrested. Right. So like you're talking about these Pharisees and how they had family like years and years and years, generations and generations, right? Like, so like now they get a bad rap, like inherently a bad rap when we read the scriptures. But like at that time, like, I don't know that they had a bad rap. Like they were just, they were essentially just the political leaders of their time. Right, like, on one hand, you probably had like in our society, you probably had some people that really loved them, and some people that really hated them. But like, what we can say about them is they thought they were right, right? Like they really believed what they were doing was right, whether it was believed it because they had power at the time or whether they believed it as a religious conviction, they believed it, mm-hmm. right? And so they were sure of it. And when Jesus started to say some of the things about himself, it really unsettled them. Yeah, it really, really challenged their entire worldview, their entire generations—four hundred, six hundred, a thousand years, right? of just lineage and conversation that they had been acquiring, which leads to Jesus's death because he is what he's speaking is so antithetical to how they believed the Messiah would come. Hmm. 
because Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised one from God, right? But but they're expecting him to be a, a ruling king that's going to come down and be yeah. kind of one of them, but above them and show them the way. And Jesus absolutely is doing that, the showing the way. He's not one of them, but he is one of them. He's a religious teacher, just like they are. But he's so different because they were expecting a king to come with a sword. Well, it was like when we when we ended last podcast and we were talking about the fact that you know when Jesus responds to John the Baptist, the reason that John even sent anybody to ask the question was he thought he was supposed to come with fire and he was supposed to you know right. he huh. he he was sitting here going, well, wait, are you who I thought you were? Because why am I in prison? Because why am I in prison right, right now? Did was was everything that I did for for nothing? And Jesus is saying no. Tell tell John that this is these are the things that are going on. And yes, I am the Messiah. But he was so other than what mm. the culture thought, what the ruling elite thought, what what the you know the modern or the that the church at that time thought right. that he was supposed to be right born into poverty yeah of a of a not well known family although the line of david which is critical obviously we're leaving some details out that's a detail you can check out later so he was he was poor unknown and obscure and yeah. came to notoriety by actually just caring for people and then he started filling his team with nobodies that's right <laughs> you know that and, and then he started saying things like, oh, I am the way. I am the, the truth. truth. Right. Right? He said, I am life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And they said, in fact, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And they're going, what are you talking about? Yeah, but meanwhile, he's casting out demons, making the blind people see, raising the dead, that making the lame was, walk. The woman who was bleeding in the last podcast, the woman who was at the well in, the last, in our last episode. He's meeting these people, right? What are they doing other than holding up their system? For what they thought was good at the time, they were still doing the sacrifices. And Jesus says to them, no, 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 I'm the sacrifice. So that leads them to say, they basically arrive at a point where Jesus is saying, don't you guys understand who I am? And they say, no, we don't. We don't believe who you say that you are. And in fact, we believe that you're lying and we have to remove you. These are the Pharisees. The Pharisees, yes, 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 yes. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. Not all of them, but a great deal of them, Mm -hmm. right? They make that claim, and that's what actually leads to the unraveling of events that we're going to go through today, which is Jesus gets taken into custody. Mm -hmm. And his disciples are so thrown off guard that you mentioned this earlier, that they're they're so thrown off guard by him being taken into custody, they try to fight back. And Peter whips his sword out, cuts off the ear of Malchus. Right. And Jesus is like, oh, no, no, wait. Let, let me pick that up off the dirt and put it back on your head. Read it. It's in there. It's what? crazy. We it's don't crazy. Play. He said we don't play that way. That's right. That's right. That's right. And Peter stands down. Right? And Jesus is taken into custody. And Jesus kind of reaffirms Peter. He's like, hey, like, just so you know, like, this has to go. This has to go this way. Hmm. The Son of Man must do this. Right? So he's taken into custody. And he's taken to a, to a, to a trial, essentially. Where he goes in front of, he goes to two trials. Essentially, he goes in front of the Jewish community, which he is of. They're being ruled by Rome at the time. He goes to the Jewish community, and they basically convince him: you either need to say you are not who you're saying you are, or or you're you're we're going to take you to, to Pilate. And he says, "I'm not going to go against everything I've been speaking about for the past three and a half years." And they get mad, and they bring him to Pilate. And who's Pilate? Pilate is the ruling authority at the time. 
they're 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 in a culture where they basically have been conquered. Rome is conquering the whole entire world, and Pilate is the governor of the place where they are at that time. And uh, so Rome has all of the authority. So although they're like hypothetically, if you know, they're in this culture where they've lived their entire time, but somebody has conquered them, so their old rules are still valid, but they have to be affirmed by Pilate. Pilate has to give them the authority to actually throw somebody into extra jail, right? Like bigger deals go to his, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a circuit court and Supreme court thought process here, but with a different ruling party. So they could kind of, they could kind of legislate for regular petty theft and stuff like that inside of their communities and Pilate and the ruling, they didn't really care. But when it came to something like, cause this, this law said in their regard, if somebody blasphemes and claims to be God as Jesus was and is to this day, then they said that that person must die. Hmm. we must put them to death. And and they had to basically come to Pilate and say, hey, will you please honor our law and kill someone for us, the ruling governor? And that's a big deal. So he takes him into his courts and he gives him a second trial. And so much so that, that Pilate is talking to him and says, hey, you know, hey, they, they, they say that you're the king of the Jews. And Jesus is just cool, calm, and collected. And, he, and Jesus, as, he, as he's just calmly talking to Pilate, Pilate's wife even comes to him and says, hey, I had a dream <laughs> You shouldn't have anything to do with this guy. And so he looks at Jesus and says, like, don't you know that I have authority? Like, I, I basically, your life is in my hands right. here. I can let you out off. I can, you know, I can turn you over to them to be killed. And what does Jesus say back to him? Hey, this is like, this is it. This is, this is who I am. Do what you need to do. Right. Knowing that he's going to go to the cross, he says to Pilate, yeah, I, I get authority. I understand it. Go ahead and execute what you have to execute even if that execution is me. Mm. And he goes back out to the Jewish people and he says, I have found no fault in this man. And he says, there's a custom that's going on right now in your culture that, uh, in your society where once a year I release one guy out of prison and a get out of jail free card, essentially, you know? So he says to the crowd, he says, Hey, I'll give you guys one, one person back. This is the second trial of Jesus. Essentially. I'll give you one person back. Who do we have in jail? We can release him right now. And he's trying to tell them like, you can let Jesus go, and this will all be cool. Like yeah. the records or, will be sp- like it'll be scrubbed. We have this murderer named Barabbas. <laughs> There's this guy who led an insurrection and killed a couple of people who you wanted in jail too, and we want in jail. So he's the only other guy we have in here right now, and I'm trying to force your hand. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna find the worst of the worst. And they start shouting, "Give, Give us, us Barabbas. Barabbas! Give us Barabbas!" At the second trial, and Jesus is just chilling. Not saying anything, mm. just calmly sitting there. And then they start saying, and then he says, well, what should I do with this guy, Jesus, then? And the crowd in the courtyard just starts shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so that's where we find ourselves with, with, with Jesus at this moment that he's going to death after essentially being convicted in two trials, even though the judge was trying to get him exonerated on the second. And that's where we find we're moving towards the cross. Yeah. Now... I just, I hear, you know, you hear that story, you hear all those details and it's like, like Jesus really, I mean, not only was Pilate for him, but like Jesus is still God. Like at any point in time, he could just be out. I'm right. Oh, I'm, you know, snap his finger and all right, let me try a different group of towns to preach the gospel to. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, he, he, he needed to be there and and he's taking it. And, and what I take from that, like from the cross, the, the death on the cross, and there, there are other details in there, but um, like God loves you enough to die for you. 
Matt, you always say that there's always one sign in the football stadium. And what's it say? John 3.16. John 3.16. <laughs> there's always someone holding a John 3.16 sign uh, at in the, the end, end zone. zone. <laughs> for God, It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like God loves the world and you're included in that. And this, this agony that, that Jesus is about to uh, endure being, being executed by being hung this way is, is cause he loves you personally. Yeah. And I think too, that a lot of times we cut it off right there at three sixteen, but 317 says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mm. You know, that, yeah, we get that, you know, this is, God loves me, God loves me, but at the same time, when we wrap it all up, it wasn't about condemnation, it wasn't about telling the world everything that they did wrong, but it was to, to bring the world back into that relationship, that perfection that we talked about in the first episode, you know, that, that a lot of times we cut it off right there, but, but I think it, you know, as we play into 317 and see that it wasn't to condemn us, but it was to save us. Uh, yeah, Romans 5.8 yeah. says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. So that idea that, like, there's no call to action here. The only goal is that there's a sin penalty going on here that is a stain on everyone. Right. And I'm going to give you an option. Right. I'm going to give you a way out, regardless of whether you decide to take it right. or not. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. It's almost like a reverse of the tree in mm. the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Can, you, can you say more about that? So like, so like in the idea in our first episode, that we talked about the tree in the Garden of Eden in that God says, do not partake in this or else... There's a penalty. And this way, it's almost like he's replant, he's replanting a tree, and he says, if you come and take of this tree in Jesus and what he has done, then you will be offered a way back in. Right. Right? Although, I, I want to clarify that, like, his death already abstains. Yeah. So our opting in doesn't make it so that, like, our, we're forgiven at the opt-in. We're forgiven because of his death. Right there. Like, the death is the forgiveness. We just have to, we just have to engage it. Like to say, like, oh, you've already forgiven us, Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, right? Like, so, so the clarity is there. Like, we we don't have to come and save ourselves right. by coming to Christ. We're not saving ourselves. The saving has already been done, right? It's already in God's, as as we talked about mm-hmm. in episode two. But this idea is almost like it's an inverted tree. Whereas before we got condemnation by taking of the tree, but now Jesus in His life is replanting something mm. that when we come to it, we get exoneration. Wow. Right, condemnation in the first half, and the end of the story is exoneration. Wow, I I've never even I mean I've I've heard the cross called a tree. You know, Jesus was hung on a tree, mm-hmm. but I've never put that together that that we left our relationship with God by taking part in a tree, mm-hmm. and the door back in is a tree. God's a poet, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. It's almost like he's outside of time. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that mean for us, right? So like those of us who are listening, when, it, when we talk about the cross and why is it so important? Well, what happens without it? 
Yeah, well, we, I mean, you, you look at verses like Romans 6.23, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know, so, so without it, it's death. Physical death, spiritual death, you know, what, how, however you want to phrase it, but, but with it, there's a life that, that we couldn't really fathom. You know, that, that's a, a way back to that perfection, the way that it ought to be. You guys are familiar with the Keller quote where he says that mankind is, um, is so awful that God had to die is so loved that he was glad to Hmm. like a reminder in this series specifically on this in this episode that at no point in this was jesus not moving forward yeah and other scriptures from the old testament it says like a like a sheep was is quiet before the shears there are times in in this story when you read into it more that he is he's physically beaten pretty hard yeah uh swollen and bloodied with pieces of himself missing right there's not a time from the beginning of his arresting that he's not in full control. That he's not not only not in control, but not gladly moving sure. towards the end goal. Right. You might read later if when you're digging into this about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asks if there's another way, please take this cup away. But Je- I think Jesus is really just being like vulnerable. Like, ah, this is going to hurt, right? This is going to be hard, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus is, Jesus, God loves us so much that he was glad to die. We're so awful the idea of sin is so fully separating. It's all the way separating us from God that he had to do this, but we're so loved that he was glad to. Mm. And the reminder in that is that like my knee jerk is to take, is to take a pitiful standpoint. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you had to do that for me. I don't know if anybody's a big Enneagram guy, but I'm Enneagram, Enneagram too. Like I hate to ask for help. I don't like asking for help. It's just not my nature. I love to give help. I love to be there for people, but I don't want help. And so the idea of the gospel Specifically, the cross is really, really hard for me. Sure. Because every time I see the cross, I'm reminded that I have to ask for help, but not in a pitiful way. Right. You can't solve this. And that I don't have to come gravel. Like, I don't have to say, I'm so sorry you had to do this. There is a nature where you have to be like, there, you know, a posturing of like, wow, this is crazy. This had to happen for mankind. But the reality is like, God is saying, like, I wanted you back, no matter how bad it had gotten. So yeah. there wasn't a way that I wasn't, there was no way I wasn't going to do this. An understanding of, of, our, of our sin is good, but like God, it was a story of him coming to save us, mm-hmm. not of us being sorrowful enough for him to come, but that he was moving towards it and was glad to do it. I'm reminded when you just said that, that this isn't exactly the story of Jesus, but the, the truth is that you don't have to do anything to earn God's love. If you were sitting in a room for the rest of your life doing nothing, he still loves you with everything he's got. And this moment on the cross of paying for your sins, it still applies. Correct. You know, like, like Jesus did the suffering. You don't have to try and take the weight. The scripture in, Ma- in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, when he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn from it. I'll give you rest. Right. Like I'm, I'm mixing that up a little bit. I should look it up in my Bible. But like what he's really saying there is you have a huge burden on your shoulders that you're carrying that I didn't a intend for you to carry. And once you follow me, I intend that you never have it again. Hmm. And but I think I think the reminder here is that the cross isn't a burden to put on our shoulders, but the cross is a crazy exchange of the burden on our shoulders. So even though the cross is a symbol of Christianity, it's not even the best part of the story. 
In the next episode, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus and what most people refer to as Easter. Uh, That's a whole other mouthful, so it's coming next time on the Bite Size Bible. 